you, with you, with you, with you, with you. With Welcome you, to with, with You, you a women's rugby community podcast. I'm Suze. I use she, her pronouns, and I'll be your host. Always with you. That's actually why I stayed with rugby is because I was able to find people who care about me and take care of me, you know. Welcome back for episode nine of season two. Today, we'll hear from Meg. This is a really interesting conversation. I just want to highlight two things. One, team liaison. Put that in your head and think about it. Number two, appearances versus realities in life, but currently in rugby. Meg and I chat back and forth a bit in here about the Glendale versus Black Ice vibes because we were neighbors playing against each other in the same city, but the clubs operated in very different ways. And from the outside, you can't always see those things. It was really cool to relate with them about it. I'll let you get into it and hear some more. Thanks for being here. My name is Meg. I use they, them pronouns, and I play for Black Ice. Women's rugby out here in Denver, or a D1 team. Um, and I've actually only ever played with them. I started playing rugby when I joined their team about a couple years ago. So I've been nine for a year or two now, and we're starting to do it like a 9-10 switch off. So that's been really fun to learn. In general, I have always played sports really cerebrally, right? Like kind of looking at the whole picture. So that's been a really good spot for me because I have control over some of the gameplay, which I really like. Um, but you know, when you're first learning, your your basic skills are not nearly good enough to just like jump in at 10 or sure. nine even. So yeah, I feel like I finally progressed enough where I'm like, I'm not going to drop it. <laughs> Let's play 10. <laughs> I played soccer for a really long time. So that's the other thing is that I'm not nearly fast enough or big enough to like mm. dominate any one position. So I have to play with my brain more. Yeah. So I played um, soccer and then in college I played lacrosse. Um, which is another, like, there's a lot of rules and there's a lot of, like, sure. how you can hit people and that kind of stuff. So that really translated really well. It seems silly, but the biggest shift from, like, college sports to rugby is that there's interaction with the team afterwards, right? Like, in college, mm-hmm. you kind of go, you play, and then you leave. So you can create this image in your head, this, like, enemy mentality yeah. about the other team. But if you are forced to then look them in the eye and have a beer with them or Mm -hmm. have a snack with them or together like in a boat race chugging Gatorade or whatever it is like you have you are forced to then humanize them right to see them laugh to see them smile to see them like crack a joke and or talk about a moment in the game like with you is so impactful in a way that other sports don't mimic like you don't ever see the other team again after you play them I was given the honor of being elected captain. Um, I'd been on the board for a couple of years now in the team liaison position, which I'm not mm-hmm. sure if anyone has that position, but it, um, we developed it and kind of really like it. It's kind of this go between between the board and the team um, because you can have a lot of people on the board who aren't necessarily active players and mm-hmm. a lot of people who are players that don't necessarily know anybody on the board. So that position has been really great just in terms of like, communication and in terms of um like maintaining the emotional well-being of both the team and the board so that everybody kind of feels like they know what's going on um yeah so then I was really lucky and was able to step into the captaincy role which is uh, a a ton of new challenges and new areas of growth but it was really great it was really fun 
I love the idea of a team liaison because there is there are already there are always so many like questions and but not just like um yes or no questions you know open-ended discussion type questions about what's going on in organizational land um bound to the players right right and as a team right having somebody who is exclusively advocating for people who are playing actively right like there's a lot of things that go on on the board that don't necessarily need to bother the team with but like financially right as a Mm -hmm. player only having an airbnb for one night the night before the game even though i have a flight on the next day like is not necessarily the best option for me because my body's tired, right? Like I played 80 minutes of hard hitting rugby. I'm in the front row and now I have to try and find my own place to sleep and like do the due diligence of going out and partying with the other team and, but not knowing where I'm going to be really like unsettling and can distract me from playing. So Yeah. yeah, kind of like thinking of all of that, but also just in terms of like, we're a bunch of people with estrogen in our bodies and Mm -hmm. (laughs) sometimes drama happens. So the team Mm -hmm. liaison was also kind of our way to like step in there. Um, We're also very intentional (laughs) about making sure the team liaison isn't a captain or in any other leadership role. Um, That way, if you have feedback for a captain or if you feel like another player is kind of coming after you emotionally, (laughs) you can talk to the team liaison and it's their kind of job to resolve all of that. Yeah. So that we can just focus on playing rugby. Part one, overview. We only had two competitive games this fall season. Sure. And everything else was canceled or rescheduled. Um, so the spring is actually jam-packed. It's like yeah. literally every weekend from February 28th until like June we have um, games. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, like as a captain, I'm like, okay, we're going to get ready. Like, <laughs> um but it's also just hard when you have a brand new set of people who have never played in our league or never seen our league compete sure. um, to to push them to prepare when you're playing, like all the matches you're playing in preparation are D2 matches sure. or like exhibitions against like college teams for recruiting or any number of other things. Um, but also just Utah being suspended from the league did have an impact because there's game footage, I think, from our game from Glendale versus Austin. Maybe some of the Texas teams played. I didn't keep up as much as I should have. Um, And then, yeah, we didn't see Utah play at all because they didn't play in our league. But they're a huge, huge competitor. They've won our league multiple times, so is Glendale. So, yeah, it's hard to be like, cool, you're tackling very well in practice. However, (laughs) when you're tackling someone who is 250 as opposed to 150, it's going to feel really different and, like, trying to – impress that upon people um, can be really difficult. Yeah, that's it's something that you can't know until you get thrown in the middle of it, I think. Yeah. And, and then, like, kind of getting those players ready, right? Like, I can't – when I'm thinking logistically, if I have a first-year player, I'm not going to play them against a brand-new team because I don't know that they know how to protect themselves enough to not get injured, right? And we all have yeah. day jobs. Like, that's yep. the awful part of adult sports is that nobody gets paid for this. Um, except maybe the refs and except maybe the coaches, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like as players, like we put ourselves for at risk of injury and then that Mm -hmm. injury can take us out of our day jobs, which means we put ourselves at a financial risk as well. So we're trying, you know, as much as people want to manage that, I myself, right. My first season, I was like, throw me in against Utah. And that's just maybe (laughs) not, 
maybe not the best idea and they didn't. <laughs> I'm so <Yeah>. thankful. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah getting they... trucked your first time. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. It's not cute. It's not a cute no. thing. <laughs> it's not cute. <laughs> it's not cute. Not at all. Yeah. You made some really, really amazing points in there about um, this season being so transitional. And I know it was for many teams because very few had a, well, it would just, it was a return to play season where there wasn't always a full opportunity to um, get in all the league matches that would have happened in a previous, like a 2019 fall. Right. Um, Godspeed this, this spring. That is a lot of rugby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Truly yeah. like March <laughs> all the way through. So, but I hope, and I know, I know because of the nature of people who choose to play rugby that they're like, we're warriors, you know, we have our moments yeah. like, and we get injured for sure. But I, I have faith that many of those rookies that have just got a taste this fall will like step up, you know, that will step up yeah. and take, take it on. Which, which is the other thing I should say, and I want to make sure I insert it here because it's, it wasn't all bad, right? Like seeing mm-hmm. new, new people fall in love with the game. It's just like beautiful. And I feel like we were able to see that because we had so many, like not necessarily competitive matches. Like yeah. they were able to get a lot of playing time in a season that you don't always get a lot of playing time in, right? Your first season, you normally do a lot of bench watching. You do a lot of like running water, you do a lot of logistics and a lot of like cheering from the sidelines. So being able to see those people play and see them like fall in love with composition and with like team rugby where you're like offloading, offloading, offloading and gaining meters and gaining meters and, you know, learning how to defend a kick and how to like where to place a kick um, was is just like a true, true gem that I don't know we would have necessarily gotten had we had a more competitive season a big advantage yeah but just like you were describing a big advantage to the season and and it is it's like magic to to see rookies fall in love with rugby mm. yeah and you like mm-hmm. feel a celebration from the whole team you're like yep. oh my god did they just stiff arm yeah like, <laughs> like do it again like <laughs> you're getting a secondhand pump yeah oh my god yeah. such a big pump from watching your teammates succeed oh my god so great and we could kind of really focus on that social aspect at practice um, but it was a little harder to do it, which we all, we talked about it a fair amount as a board and as a captain's, like as a captain's group and as a team, just like feeling really restricted in terms of like, normally we would all go out for a beer after this practice or like, normally we would all do this or normally there'd be a picnic and like kind of not being able to schedule those like camaraderie events, yeah. um, was really tough, but we had, we had a few different variations of that, like. Um, we have a fair amount of climbers on the team. So like there's a little climbing group that like developed that would meet on Wednesday Mm -hmm. nights or when the weather was nice, we would all go out to a park on the weekend when we didn't have a game. Um, Yeah. And kind of little, little ways of keeping ourselves outside and safe, um, but still together, which was really cool. Part two difficulties. I will say too, that all of these observations are mine. Um, Like Mm -hmm. we haven't, exclusively talked as a team um we've talked a bit as captains about it but i i wouldn't dare speak for the two other captains or our coach jonathan in terms of what they perceived from the season um because my experience is also colored by i got a new job in the middle of the season so yeah i became very emotionally exhausted with trying to learn a new job (laughs) 
Yeah, so I think that and a lot of the kind of grindstone energy that I normally see at practice in terms of people willing to push themselves and kind of like get through their breaking point for like physical and emotional growth, I didn't necessarily see a lot of. Some of that can be colored by um, we had a lot of brand new players and lost a lot of our veteran staff. So um, the reason our numbers dwindled, a lot of it had to do um, with kind of logistics, um, Mm. like practice times um, and the sun setting. And then we pull players from all over the area, not just Denver proper, Mm -hmm. Um, But Broomfield, uh, sometimes Colorado Springs, sometimes Mm -hmm. Boulder. Yeah. So where we are able to get fields and when we are able to get fields is huge in terms of number turnout. Um, So some of our practices would go eight to ten. And that's really late. Um, But also a lot of us work in the service industry. So Mm -hmm. having practice any earlier than that isn't necessarily sustainable either um so when we need lights to play is a huge financial burden Mm -hmm. and a huge time burden because playing out in Lowry is a little bit easier to get to than out in like Highlands Ranch we have to get fields through Denver Parks and Rec and that also costs money and and then costs like time, like in timing. So you yeah. have to get them at a certain time. I'm not quite sure I really understand it because I that's never something I've been like had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but is a huge number for our, our numbers dwindling. Like it, there was a big marked difference from when we started at seven to when we started at eight. Mm-hmm. Um, the players that we did keep are definitely, definitely lifers. You know, like they're people yeah. who love the game. Yeah. <laughs> Or people who had just joined and were really excited to learn and learn the game. Um, So I think we were able to build a good team this year, Mm -hmm. especially knowing that we had kind of uh, big shoes to fill. Like we lost a lot of veteran players to moving or retirement. Um, Honestly, mostly moving during the pandemic. I think people had a lot of time to reflect about where they were and why they were there. Mm -hmm. So that's also how we gained a lot of people is they're like, I don't want to be here. So I'll go to Denver. Yeah. <laughs> and then we were lucky enough to be who, you know, one of the people that they found, one of the places that they found to try yeah. and build their life. So yeah, I think we were able to keep a, a really strong side and a really good group of people. Yeah. I did see that you guys like changed your practice space in the middle of the season. And I, didn't really think about it past that but you make a good point because I've been on club teams before where it's like oh gosh now we need lights like now we have to figure out what we're gonna do and dealing with the city uh, dealing with city government is like it's just never a pleasure like no (laughs) yeah it's kind of a grind always yeah and it's a really hard job on both ends like I get Mm -hmm. it they want us to just have a set place and we just want to have a set place but nobody Mm -hmm. can give us that (laughs) you know so it's like I've always Mm -hmm. been envious of Glendale in that respect is that like as much as Glendale doesn't care about women because they're the worst like there is a designated like practice area for you that has lights Mm -hmm. Um, that you, you know what I mean? And like, we have to pay for all of that. 
Glendale life was so cushy, but (laughs) Glendale life was so cushy. Like I'll say it straight up, like as a Glendale player, it was so cushy, (laughs) but also we had to deal with just like this really blatant misogyny and that's what we were trading for. And that was, that was shit. Truly. I don't think I would do that like again. So yeah. Like every time Mm. I think about it, I get more and more mad and like want to physically run into a wall. Like I just want (laughs) to run into a wall because I'm like, I need something else to stop the anger. It's like yeah. when I watch Handmaid's Tale. I just get unreasonably upset. Yep. And I, I just want to, I want to stand out there and like shake my finger, give him a big thumbs down. Like, yep. <laughs> I don't even like know what to do about it. It just seems yeah, so oppressive. It. Yep. You don't even know what to do about it. Just like, yeah. Ugh. This is the world that we live in. I fucking hate it. I hate that this is. I hate nuts. that this is real. Mm-hmm. Some yep. garbage. It is some garbage. Plus, you guys are a great team. Like, you're a great team. Like. Yeah. Oh my god! I just get oh. For me personally, it's like the all that infrastructure, all the cushy life was the reason that Glendale reached me. You know, like and I knew people who had played on the team. Right. So the the being a great team also comes with like the privilege of the marketing and of the ex, the exposure, the visibility. You know, and right. <clears throat> mm-hmm. so it's right. And it's, it's like I mean, it's like anything else, right? It's like oppression in any way is completely systematic in terms of like you will succeed because you have resources versus like you are trying to earn your own resources the whole time like but I just wish that the city would recognize what the rest of our league and what the rest of the country recognizes about Glendale's women's program like yeah (laughs) I don't even I don't even know what to do (laughs) no well it's over now I mean they they yeah you know so there's definitely some reflecting to do in that manner and I also like I've been I've felt for years of my life that like just talking about things isn't enough but on a certain level it is so if I can be honest with people who haven't been in that especially people who are outside of Denver who just have like looked at Glendale and be like oh that's so amazing I'm like yes and it's shit like trust me I've been in it like we can we talk about you're right like the, the systemic oppression and the resources that aren't are not women's rugby wide by any means like that was some some like hallucinogenic oasis or something yeah 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 absolutely absolutely but I I will say too as like a Glendale player <clears throat> that I always I like fucking envied Black Ice's culture because y'all had like mm. a culture that I had at my at Chesapeake in Baltimore like that we were family that we were really bonded because we were struggling together you know yeah. that we were we were building together and uh <laughs> it just never felt like that over there so yeah oh. i like joke about it i call it like trauma bonding cuz like that's how fraternities that's, that's... and sororities in college get you but like that's mm. a little bit what it is it's like mm-hmm. rugby as a whole is trauma bonding cuz you're doing this really dangerous thing together yeah. Um, but then especially as, yeah, as you get into the adult sportness of it and you're like, oh, wait, we have to earn money. Wait, we have to pay for stuff. Like mm-hmm. flights aren't cheap. <laughs> like, Not at all. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. But it, it like build, it's a community and uh, for sure we're investing in each other through it. And that's yeah. the that's something beautiful about it as well. Oh, that's hmm. a great way to put it. Part three forgotten i forgot that you like get so close to people when you tackle them you know like (laughs) like we started practicing and i was like oh you want me to you want me to touch 
touch that. I'm going to touch that person. I'm going to put my head right by their head. And uh, uh-huh. that's normal. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because we kind of get used to the way that we touch each other at rugby in terms of contact, right? Like there's rules, there's designated areas. Um, and that is something that I just kind of blazed, like glazed right over until the pandemic when I was like, oh, wait, I should be six feet from everybody. That's actually most of what I feel like differed this season is that emotions were just very, very high, right? Like Mm. as we started to reintegrate, not only in rugby, but in society, like people going back to work or people like actually scheduling like a social calendar for themselves just took a lot of energy out of people that they, I don't think they were ready to expend. Um, when you grow up in like an active go society, like we have here in Denver, mm-hmm. um, and then you're forced to stop and slow down, you kind of realize how much energy you're expending. Um, and then the constant risk of like, am I exposing myself? I don't really know. Yeah. Like they say it's okay to be inside a bar, but I don't know. Like the person one table over from me could be coughing and hacking up a storm and it could be allergies or it could be Delta variant, you know, like, right. yeah. So I think, that role in particular prepared me for like a pretty emotional season for a lot of people. Yeah, it's just been hard in general to try to reintegrate and like be social and deal with the risk and the fears and and just mitigate them or find some solace. Like for me personally, that I've found it best in very close friends. And I hope that you were also able to find that in the rugby team. That's actually why I stayed with rugby is because I was able to find people who care about me and take care of me, you know? And yeah. Yeah. When you move to a new place, it's really hard to make friends as an adult. Cause it's like yep. dating and being friends are the same. Like you both, you schedule a drink, right? You go out to do things and <laughs> yeah. If somebody doesn't have any reason to hang out with you, they can just say no. But if you're on a team together, you kind of have to see each other. <laughs> Yeah, so I, like, trapped all of my friends. Yeah, it's a little subversive. Yeah. (laughs) Part four, joy. The first time the whistle blew, like, at the first kickoff of a competitive match, I just, like, huge smile hit my face. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is what it is, right? This is our oasis that we've built together and that we're all going to play through. And just looking at the person to my left and the person to my right and being like, oh, yeah, we're in this together, like... You're going to thump. I'm going to thump. I'm going to trip. <laughs> You're going to yeah. throw a great pass. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to throw a great pass. You're going to miss it. Like this way, the like true beauty of the game. And then I think the second one is um, we actually won our last game against Austin and seeing the team start to pick up actually and like hit our flow in the last, I think it was 15 minutes of that game is when we turned it around. And just seeing everybody's head lift and us start to work as a team. Because we had some great, great team moments where we kept the ball for like 10 phases. And then we had offloads left and right. And then all of a sudden, somebody's pushing through, pushing through, pushing through and touches down for a try. And knowing that literally everybody contributed to that because it went from one end to the other um, was really, really great because everybody recognized it too. And even... Like, this is the first year I've had a ton of time to interact with the SIRS, mm-hmm. um, but being able to talk to the um, refing staff and build a relationship there was 
so cool because they they have these moments of like during the game they're very clinical you know they're very logical they're like this is what happened this is what we're doing you know captain please talk to your team you know captain make sure you watch for this and and then after the game like having a slice of pizza with them and thanking them for you know their hard work during the game and then being like it was a really really a joy to watch everyone play today like both sides had a great match and like being able to hear that from an objective observer was like really really cool for me yeah that's a great feeling yeah to, to be yeah. seen that way well to see yourself first and and, and see the team like functioning together like that because it's not always so easy especially after such a long break to fall nicely into that rhythm right. and in the circumstances of building a new team and having a lot of rookies and not having too much competitive play like yeah congratulations that's that's a brilliant moment yeah yeah there was I think there was a lot of screaming and jumping and you know it's Austin (laughs) and we love Austin like we had Mm -hmm. a great social with them afterwards it was Mm -hmm. yeah it was truly like one of the most like rewarding experiences I've had thus far is to watch us kind of like build the momentum see the momentum and then like even though you're tired push through it to Mm -hmm. like work together oh it was awesome yeah that's beautiful Thank you for sharing with me. Of course. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like savoring a little bit in that though. It is like phase, the way that phase play feels. I guess moving, everything's moving so fast, but at the same time, it's also like moving slowly and, and you can find yourself like being part of the one phase and then seeing your friends, your teammates, your friends in the next phase, and then finding your way into another phase and like waiting for it to come back to you. And it's just invigorating. Like the ball moves literally so fast yep. that, like, if, even if I sprinted as fast as I could, I wouldn't be able to get there in time. Sure. And we have Lynn. So, like, Lynn loves being nine. So the two of us kind of, like, rocking back and forth as this, like, nine-ten swap yeah. worked really well. So that's like perfect being able because to go, she's played yeah. both, too. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm like, God, I got to get it. I got to get it together on 10. It's just so hard <laughs> to learn. But like with the two of us and like we have really smart people at like 12 and 13, right? Like having really deadly insides and we have just incredible tacklers at 15. Like, ugh, I'm just like so excited because also Jonathan, do you know Jonathan at all? Uh, just by name. Yeah. Yeah. But he's wicked smart and he was able to make all of that learning really fun, mm-hmm. you know? And like show us really weird drills because he's worked with the Eagles yeah. for a long time. So he's able to be like, yo, like you can do this fun game back and forth where you like try to beat like one on one in a small square. And then you like, OK, now I had two people. OK, now I had three people. Like, how are we going to do it? Yeah. Um, and then that structure of going from one sideline to the other sideline is just mm-hmm. deadly. So like yeah. watching us be able to keep it through through the middle and then out to the trams again and then back through the middle yo, if we do this all the time (laughs) and we can learn to play defense, we're going to (laughs) shred. Thank you again so much for signing up, for volunteering to come on. It's been wonderful to talk to you. Oh, thank you as well. I guess I would be remiss if I didn't plug that I am a musician and I have not yet been paid by Spotify. So I would love it if some of my, if you just like slip it in, the the comments or something tag it mm-hmm. somewhere okay yeah. i would really appreciate it just because i know rugby people always support other rugby people so yeah i love that you can find meg's music at unclemeg.com 
by searching for the artist Uncle Meg on Spotify. And you can follow along with them on IG at Uncle Meg Music. That is our episode for today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. It's a really neat reflection, especially now for the Black Ice Club who has finished up their spring season. Cheers, y'all. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. (laughs)